Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're continuing our series on the ABCs of faith. And in particular today, we're talking about faith works. And in particular, the works of faith are so important. You know, faith is essentially of the heart. You know, Romans 10.10 says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness. And, and so it's an attitude or state of the heart. It isn't a work. But faith must be expressed through our works, through our words and actions, for it to be effective. Faith I like to define as cat, K-A-T, knowledge, first of all. Faith is based on the knowledge you have of God's word. You can't have faith without the word of God. You've got to know it. Then you've got to agree with it, which is... Not, so it's mental first, it's also emotional. You've got to agree that the word is true. You've got to be persuaded that it's true. But it's also an act of your will, because it's also trust. You have, faith is in the head, yes, you have knowledge, it's in, but it also must be in the heart. You've got to be persuaded that it's true, and you must put your trust in the Lord, in his promise. And it's by faith alone in the heart that we lay hold of the things of God, that we know them and that we receive them. We trust ourselves to them. And it's by faith alone that we receive those things given by grace. But it's by our words and our actions that we release the power of those things into our life. And so there's a two-stage process. We receive it within our heart by faith, the spiritual blessing, and then we release it into manifestation by our words. And so faith without corresponding actions, faith without obedience, is dead, is ineffective, is unproductive, unfruitful. It's like that with the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit by faith. But then it's as you speak out in other tongues that you release the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so both parts are important, but the baptism of the Spirit involves two, two stages. Well, our faith must be expressed in actions. And so in this series, we're, we're explaining how that happens. How does our faith turn into good works? And we're t we've talked about three kinds of good works, of silver, gold, and precious stones. Works of silver are those works motivated by gratitude for our redemption in Christ. And then precious stones, these are the works that are done motivated by our future eternal rewards, done because we are looking for the praise of God rather than the praise of man. But now we're moving on to works of gold. And gold represents the divine nature. And in the new birth, praise God, the nature of Christ has been born in us. And this new life within us, if we will live it out, will, as the fruit of the Spirit, will produce good works in our life. They're works of the Spirit. They're works of gold. And God is looking for that. How do we produce these works of gold? Well, of course, it's by faith. It's by knowing who we are in Christ. It's, it's by knowing and reckoning on the truth of who we are in Christ, in our spirit. The real man is the spirit man that's been born again. And as we know who we are in Christ, by faith we act on that truth, acting like it's true, acting like the Bible's true, then that new nature will be released. 
and the love of God in us will be released and the good works will be produced in our life. Well, Jesus laid the foundation for this teaching and this is the, the dominant teaching in the epistles concerning the Christian life as I want to share with you over the next few weeks, over the next few talks in this um, series on the ABCs of faith. John 8, 36, Jesus said, If the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. That's talking about what he was going to do in redemption. He's going to set our spirit free from the power of sin and darkness. Praise God. He's going to make us a new creation in Christ. He says, you will be free indeed. But then, in verse 32, he explains the other side of this truth. He says, if you continue in my word, then you will tr are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. The tr what truth? The truth of your freedom in Christ, of what God has done for you by grace. You've got to enter into the reality of it by finding out about who you are in Christ. You will come to know the, the word will show you the truth. You will know the truth. And the truth, that is the truth you know, will make you free. You've already been set free in your spirit, but by knowing the truth and abiding in it and walking in that truth, you will then be made free. You will experience that freedom that's already been accomplished in your spirit. And so Jesus told them what the truth was actually in back in verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. That to have is to possess within the light of life. And he's saying that when you accept Jesus, your spirit come, become, turns from darkness to light you're born again. You will have the light of life. And God's life will be within your spirit, he says. And you will be truly set free. But now you're going to have to find out in the word who you are and walk in that reality. And then you will produce fruit of light in your life. Now, there are, to understand this, there are two kinds of truth. There's experiential truth and positional truth. Experiential truth is the truth of the things that are seen, felt, experienced by our senses. It's the natural facts. Maybe you're feeling down, maybe you're feeling good, whatever. That experiential truth changes day by day. It's also called temporal truth. It's subject to change. But on the other hand, positional truth is not subject to change. It's what's true about us by virtue of our position from our birth. Whatever our feelings or performance might be, these things stay the same. It's independent of what, how we feel, what kind of day we've had. For example, I'm Walker. That's positional truth. I was born in Walker, and I am Walker whether I feel like it or not. Um, there are certain things, like the fact that I'm a man, you know, that are automatically true from my birth. I can't change it. Uh, certain characteristics are defined and they don't depend on my works or my feelings. Now the outward manifestation of these things may change but the essential truth is that I had them from birth. Now in Adam we had some very bad positional truth. There was nothing we could do to change it, you see, because we, we, we inherited that sin nature. We, we inherited a terrible future of death and destruction. And there was no way out because that is positional truth. The only way out actually is if God gives us a new birth that instead of being in Adam, we'll be put in Christ. 
So in Adam we were a sinner, death doomed, under the curse, in the kingdom of darkness, a destiny of condemnation in hell. Just by virtue of our position in Adam, nothing could change that. It was automatic. So we need a second birth, a new birth, needing giving us a new nature, a new position, a new destiny. And that's why Jesus said three times in John 3, you must be born again. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says you must have a, f a birth of your flesh, of course, out of the water of your mother's womb, but you must also have a spiritual birth, the rebirth of your human spirit. And when you accepted Christ, you were taken out, spiritually taken out of Adam and put into Christ. And he came into your spirit by the Holy Spirit, praise God. Now Christ is your representative before God, not Adam. He's your spiritual head. And in Christ, we have a completely new spiritual tr positional truth. Not because of what we do or don't do, but simply because of who we are in Christ through the new birth and who he is in us. Praise God. You see, man is spirit, soul, and body. It says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body, your entire being, be sanctified. You see, we are in the image of God. We have three parts. Spirit, that's the part that contacts God, which, who is spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, which contacts the world of thought, and our body, of course, which contacts the physical realm. We are a spirit, and we have a soul, and we live in a body. When you're born again, you didn't get a new body, or even a new mind, but you did receive a new spirit, and that's the real you. And now, God is changing your soul, and he will change your body in the future. Your spirit has been saved. Your soul is being saved by the word of God, and your body will be saved at the resurrection. And we are by faith to know and to reckon as true what God says about who we are now in Christ so that we then base our action, actions on it. We need to know it and then to reckon on it is an accountancy term which basically says count on this as true. Base your actions on that truth. If your accountancy tells you that you have a thousand pounds in the bank, then you act on the basis of that truth. You've got to know this truth well enough that you base your actions on it, and then you will start getting results. We see this in Romans 6. He says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ. Your old spirit was crucified with Christ. Verse 8, now if we, that's the old man, died with Christ, we believe that we, the new man, shall also live with, with him. In other words, our new man shares his resurrection life. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. In other words, he says what we're to know is that this new life that we share with Christ, this resurrection life, is indestructible and it's conquered death once and for all. And so our spirit is resurrected with Christ and has overcome sin and death. Verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves in your spirit, dead to sin, but alive to God 
through Christ Jesus our Lord. Your spirit is alive to God and it's not touched by sin. 2 Corinthians tells us we have a new life and a new nature. This is who we are in Christ. If we know this truth, we can start living out from this reality. Therefore, from now on, he says, we regard no one according to the flesh. That is, according, we don't count ourselves according to Adam, not even myself. That's not how I think about myself now. Even, th even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So how are we to regard ourselves, he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the new spirit, the recreated spirit. The old things are passed away. That's the old spirit, the old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. All things in the reborn spirit are of God. The love, joy, peace. That's who you are in your spirit and its newness of life. Romans says the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We are a new creation belonging to a new species of mankind made after the image of our new head, Jesus Christ, the second Adam. Just as originally we were made after the image of the first Adam. We possess eternal life in our spirits from the moment we're trusted in Christ. John 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have, possess in themselves eternal life. The eternal life of God is in your spirits. doesn't say you will have eternal life. You have it now in your spirit. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he who has the Son has life. He who doesn't have the Son does not have life. This Zoe, eternal life, is in your spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's who we really are in our spirit. It's not a spirit of fear, but is filled with the love and the power and the soundness and rightness of thinking that is Christ's. And so, if we compare positional and experiential truth, we see positional truth is not an experience. It's not an expression. It's beyond our natural senses. We only know about it from God's Word, you see. Experiential truth is what we're feeling right now in our senses. Positional truth is not progressive. It doesn't change. It's perfect at salvation. It's what God has accomplished in your spirit at salvation. It's a perfect work of grace. And therefore, it's always true. Even if you've had a bad day, you're still a new creation. You're still the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, positional truth is the foundation rock on which you can build your life, whereas your feelings and your thoughts will always change. Praise God. It's eternal and unchanging. Um, now, experiential truth is the manifestation and that is an ongoing process but positional truth is a done deal positional truth is not related to human merit every believer has exactly the same positional truth but experiential truth what we experience depends on how much of the Word of God we know and how much we do well positional truth is not some nice thinking it's really true it's what God has actually accomplished in your spirit but it's a process of your mind will and emotions finding out about it well knowing this truth is of great importance because it's the foundational truth on which we should build and change our self-image 
and build a strong Christian life. You see, the life of God's in your spirit, but your, the spirit has to flow through your mind, through your soul, before it comes into your life. And if the mind is in darkness, in ignorance, in unbelief, concerning that new life in the spirit, that new life is blocked, it can't flow. But when your mind is renewed to who you are in Christ, and you see it, and you believe it, and then you act on it, then that life can flow, and you'll find out that this is real. So if we build our faith, our Christian life, on the solid rock of positional truth, we'll have fruitful lives. But if we build on the shifting sands of our feelings, of our experiences, on our circumstances, the house of our Christian life will be unstable. It won't survive the storms. Let me tell you more about your reborn spirit, because this will build your faith in, in, in who you are, praise God. The reborn spirit is perfect in righteousness and holiness, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, nothing lacking. He who made him, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become in our very nature the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. We're not just declared righteous, we've been made the righteousness of God. Righteous by nature in our spirit. That's why it also says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. God can be joined to our spirit, you see, because it's righteous now. The old spirit, the old man, was crucified with Christ, and our reborn spirit is called the new man. Colossians says, you've put off the old man with his deeds, and you've put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. The new man is according to the image of Christ. Ephesians 4.24 says, we're the new man, which was created according to God, according to his image, in true righteousness and holiness, praise God. According to the blueprint of Christ, it's the perfect image of Christ. And, and that's why it doesn't sin. 1 John says, whoever's been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, in his spirit, and cannot sin because he's been born of God. That which is born of God in you cannot sin. And we know that whatsoever is born of God, the reborn spirit, that is, does not sin. You know, we might sin, but that's our flesh leading us into sin. It's not coming from our spirit. But he who is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Not only does our spirit not lead us into sin, but our spirit is armor plated and protected from sin. The wicked one, it says, does not touch him. Hallelujah. 2 Peter calls our reborn spirit the hidden man of the heart. Uh, and it describes it as incorruptible and beautiful and gentle. Rather, let it be the hidden man of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Praise God. What's the origin of our spirit, our new man? It was brought forth through the resurrection of Christ. It was made alive together with Christ. It's been raised with Christ far above all principalities and powers. The origin is the resurrection of Christ. It says... You also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead, spiritually dead, he's made alive together with him. Your new man has already risen with Christ, far above sin and death and all the power of Satan. 
The same operation of God that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, spirit, soul, and body, raised his whole humanity from the dead. It says that same power has already worked in your spirit when you're born again and raised your spirit from death to life. Praise God. And giving it the, the nature of Christ. Raising it far above the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. If then, it says, you were raised with Christ far above. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you, that is your old man, died. And your life, your real life, your spirit, is hidden with Christ in God. And one day, it will be fully manifested. Because when Christ, who is our life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. One day, all the beautiful reality of who you are in your spirit will be fully manifested and fully radiating out of your resurrected body. But even now, we can enjoy some of that transformation. Since, you see, we are now raised with Christ, we are already overcomers. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Whatever is born of God has overcome the world. We don't just have an overcoming spirit, but we have the greater one, the Holy Spirit, living inside us. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, praise God. Ephesians talks about that we need a revelation of what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. You see, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that made our spirits alive and raised them up far above. So our spirit consists of the eternal, indestructible, victorious resurrection life of Christ, which has conquered already sin and death and Satan. And that's why in Ephesians 2, having said that, in Ephesians 2 verse 5, he applies this to us. Since that power has been working in us, it's accomplished three things in us, it says. It says, when we were dead in our trespasses, spiritually dead, number one, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you were saved. Number two, he raised us up together with Christ. And number three, made us to sit together with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ. And there were three instantaneous operations of God's power when we were born again. Number one, we were made alive from death to life. He removed all spiritual death and gave us his spiritual life. Number two, he raised our spirit up. It was made alive. It was raised up far above all sin and demonic force. In other words, God imparted his victory into our spirit. Your spirit is victorious over sin and Satan. You're more than a conqueror. And number three, he made your spirit to sit together with him far above. That is, he imparted authority and dominion to your spirit over the enemy. So he imparted life, he imparted victory, and he imparted authority, dominion. And this is summarized in verse 8. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. In other words, your spirit has already been saved when you believed. And that salvation is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
For we, that is our reborn spirits, are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. It's a new creation, designed, equipped, and empowered for good works, excellent works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we have, are his workmanship. We've been raised with Christ. We've been given his life. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now released into our spirit. And our spirits are raised above sin. Our spirit originates in the resurrection of Christ. And it consists of the victorious life of Christ that's overcome. And its nature is righteousness and love. And in our spirit is a, his workmanship, created for good works. And if we know this truth, if we reckon on this truth of who we are in Christ, and by faith we walk accordingly, we work out, we live out this new life that God has already worked within us, then we will produce works of God, works of the divine nature, that are produced by faith, by walking by faith, that come from that reborn Christ nature within. As we walk by the Spirit, that new life in the Spirit comes forth. Hallelujah. And we produce good works. And you know, the first work of faith is with our lips. This new life, we have to talk it out and then we walk it out. But it starts with the tongue. So I'm going to say a confession. I'll invite you to join with me. I am in Christ. I am a born-again child of God. There is no condemnation for me in Christ. I am one spirit with the Lord. I have eternal life in me. God's life and love is in my spirit. The life of God is in me. The love of God is in me. Hallelujah. I am the love child of a love God. The love of God has been poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. My spirit is dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new man created in God's image, in true righteousness and holiness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a life-giving spirit. I'm an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which by faith I'm walking in. You see, if you know these truths and you speak them forth confidently, then you will start to walk in them. And the gold, the divine nature, the new life that's in you will start producing wonderful good works in your life.